Hey everyone, welcome to Product Postmortem. We're going to talk about some of the biggest startups in Silicon Valley and talk about why they might not have succeeded. We're planning on dissecting their stories and explaining to everyone why they fell. My name is Eddie Rodriguez. And my name is Kevin Pham. And today we'll be doing episode one on the rise and fall of Homejoy. So before we start talking about Homejoy, I wanted to talk about us and how we met. Yeah. Um, Kevin and I actually met each other at a YC startup a couple years ago uh, that went by the name of Magic. And our time at Magic really gave us a lot of insight on you know, what was going on with the sharing economy and Homejoy. And that was really my first exposure into Homejoy. Um, but you want to kind of explain what Magic was doing? Yeah, so Magic, as Eddie said, was under Y Combinator. But it's a really cool company. Uh, Wired actually did a cover on them. And essentially what they are is they're a text messaging SMS concierge service. And essentially you would just send a request through text through a phone number and they would receive it on their end and they would fulfill that completely from start to end. Uh, people would requ request things like food delivery to getting home services done to having a tiger delivered to a party. I mean, the, your and, mom, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what got them super famous was uh, somebody out here in Silicon Valley um, had the bright idea of getting a tiger out to some, uh, like whatever the reason was for this party. But how they actually pulled it off was they had like this Hollywood lion. Um, and they, But to get this thing, they had to actually say that they were creating a film. Um, so they had to get a license. And a license just said that they were doing a film and they just used YouTube <laughs> as like their excuse. So this, you know, SMS service was just known as like the Uber for X. So anything that you would request, they would get it done. And that usually just became mine and Kevin's tasks to do along with like a, a team of hundreds of others. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we both became really scrappy and it was a great company to work at. And, and that's how we got introduced to Homejoy. And that's how we came across knowing who they were and um yeah and let's dive into homejoy well our first exposure into homejoy was whenever we were getting certain requests for you know like house cleanings we would just piggyback off of other services uh so thanks homejoy for <laughs> giving us something to work with because we sure could not get out to go clean ourselves um <laughs> yeah we were bouncing between homejoy what is so there was exec there was um was another competitor for Homejoy. When you're really desperate, Craigslist. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Homejoy was, was really cool because, you know, they were pretty big in the Bay Area at the time. And yeah, we could just, you know, try to schedule services with them and we would get them out to certain clients. But um, as much as I have respect for Homejoy, I actually never became a user of Homejoy. Uh, even at like their best price, um, I just couldn't reason with paying you know twenty dollars for to have like a cleaner. Um, for me, it was just you know I would rather just let my place be 
not as super clean than to have like somebody come through my apartment that I wasn't super familiar with. But uh, I had a lot of friends that used HomeJoy and they were really, you know, happy to use them. But even then they kind of negotiated their own deals to get cleaners outside the service. So we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. I mean, my personal experience was when I used them during a magic, their interface on the website was okay. Uh, for some reason, I had a weird impression that I don't, I didn't know if it was going to be fully fulfilled. I, we were booking, it was what made it difficult was that some of the requests that we had that needed cleaning that day or the next day, it was a lot more difficult. And we'll dive into that later when they acquired another New York company that helped more with the short term reservations. But, um, other than that, it was a good company when it worked. Um, but let's dive into the kind of the background and where HomeJoy started. So um, HomeJoy was actually founded by the brother and sister duo, uh, Adora Chung and Aaron Chung. Uh, Adora, she actually studied economics and then went into computer science during her grad school. Um, she was influenced actually into software engineering by her mother who her mom was actually a software engineer at IBM. And that influenced her to study computer science. And during her grad school was actually when she was first introduced to her first startup. And that company was about, it was a mapping application. And they displayed coupons for businesses that were nearby while you were driving. Funny enough, during her grad school years, she almost flunked out of grad school, but luckily, a lot of the work that she was doing at the startup was overlapping a lot with the work that she was doing during her grad school. So she just got by. Um, but once she graduated, she actually got her first job in San Francisco for a company called Slide in 2007. Now, if you guys remember back then, Facebook just launched their gaming platform. And this is where she worked on the product team for the mobile gaming department. And she did that for about a year and a half. However, she didn't really feel it was that meaningful. So that kind of led to her departure. And around that time was when her brother Aaron just graduated from MIT. And he was looking to begin a startup. So in 2009, 2010, they started a video platform application for life coaches and therapists. And then they applied to Y Combinator with the idea called PathJoy. That was the name of the company. Yeah, and that that wasn't HomeJoy at the time. That was still, um, you know, life coaching for everyone. Um, they later uh, became HomeJoy when Adora uh, had to find a cleaner for her and her brother's apartment. <laughs> uh, apparently, the story is that she was so disgusted by their own bathroom that she would be going down to down the streets to like pizza parlors just to use the restroom. Um, so her options became you know, either paying for like an industrial cleaner um, that put, that cleans offices uh, for like $80 plus an hour, or she would have to use somebody on Craigslist that, you know, not as trustworthy. Uh, you don't really get the reviews, I guess, in Craigslist at best. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they decided to focus on house cleaning um, as a service to give an alternative to, you know, pricey services or Kind of more shady alternatives um, like a Craigslist. Yeah, so like you can kind of see how 
you know, home drawer was kind of, had a kind of a need there. You know, like Eddie said, it was tough. It you can have a lot of shady people on Craigslist, and which wasn't reliable, and there wasn't really a reliable and safe service out there for on-demand home cleaning services. And kind of going back to the YC story, when they were applying there, they were able to secure funding and raise 150k. But uh, strangely enough, they actually took the life coaching video platform app and pivoted to a social media algorithm to somehow help companies gain more traffic by using expert keywords. Um, but some then again, they also pivoted to other things and they took out credit card loans and they were losing a lot of money and kind of going back to when Adora was kind of stuck in the apartment with her brother and didn't really have a clean place to go to the bathroom. She, This was a point in time where they were writing articles and blogs online and her brother at one point got so desperate for money that he was like learning poker strategies to like go to Vegas and like win money just to keep them afloat for, for YC. Um, so there was the, going back to your story, Eddie, like when she went to go walk, came back from the, from walking down um, Mountain View on Castro Street, she came home and she realized she had to go back to her computer and write an article about hot moms or she could spend that time and look and research home cleaning services and that's what she did and that's when she her and her brother in that one day they built the website and it was pretty impressive that they did all that yeah and with a little bit of research she found out pretty quickly that you know even though there was like these pretty high rates house cleaners were getting minimum wage uh, around like seven eight dollars at the time um, and they they were basically getting screwed because the rates were, you know, like several dozens of dollars at, at a minimum. Um, and so they saw the opportunity there that they could provide a better alternative for you know, potential clients and for the, the people actually providing the service. So, um, so, yeah, so if you think about house cleaning as a service, uh, it might not seem super lucrative. Or it might seem like there's not a whole lot of skin in the game, but if you start to factor in, you know that you could provide something of true value to to people that that you know might need the money, and you can you know take some off the top as well because they were charging around like twenty dollars an hour with yeah. promo pricing, mm-hmm. um, so that's that's a pretty good net for just supplying the you know like the interface or, you know, like the service where you're putting people in touch. You know, if you look at an Airbnb, that that's basically what they do is they connect people um, and they take some, some money off the top. Yeah. So like Adora and Aaron actually came into this game and just, they realized there can be a lot of efficiencies that can be implemented using algorithms and using data and just kind of understanding the process to how the operations work and just, using the computers to help find those inefficiencies. So kind of going to the story into the story about Adora and how she actually got her foot into the door with the cleaning service. When they started the company, they realized they don't really know much about how to clean a house. So they started off by getting purchasing books on how to clean homes and they quickly realized that wasn't really helpful. So Adora took the next step and actually thought about just applying to a cleaning company. 
and getting her feet wet in that and maybe getting some skills by working for an actual company. So she applied to some cleaning companies locally, didn't get any experience to no surprise because she didn't have any experience and went as far as actually applying for cleaning services in companies uh, nationwide. Um, luckily, one of the local companies called her back and... Well, local as in she was in Mountain View and they were up in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, so if you're not in the Valley, that can be a several hour drive, even though it's like, you know, around 40 miles. Just traffic alone can take you a really long time to, to get up there. Even on the Caltrain, you're looking at an hour and a half to two hour commute. Um, <laughs> yeah. So but, yeah. But yeah, she was definitely dedicated to just find any place that would take her in, considering the fact that she has no experience in cleaning. But they gave her a chance. And when she went to the interview. Well, she lied. She, she did. <laughs> she, she lied about her brother being sick. She kind of yep. played the pity card just to get in. So you have to, you have to think about this now. Um, you're... You're coming in with an elite university degree, <laughs> getting turned away from cleaning jobs. Now, if that's not, you know, <laughs> like indicative of some some other like economical shift or or some sort of imbalance, like I don't know what it is, but that that was that was uh, pretty wild to learn while we were doing the research for this. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bold of her, and once and she got the job and. You know, during the three weeks that she was there, she was trained and she said the training was actually not that great. But after a while, she finally learned the ropes and was able to learn a lot of the things that the cleaning services uh, employees do and and figure it out. And then after three weeks, she was able to find a process and be able to bring that back to Homejoy. And her and her brother just ran the operations and they did a, they found a couple customers and was able to uh to start with that funny enough i think after the three weeks that she was at that cleaning company she actually didn't even collect the paycheck <laughs> so yeah so she just basically had to figure out how to do things with like a quick turnover how to be a little bit more efficient in like their process and then um you know just how to con like what people expected people that were cleaning their their spaces you know how to conduct in like that professional manner um so they relaunched um, as a cleaning service in the Bay Area in July 2012. Yeah, and then um, as up then going up a couple months in September, Adora said that the site had hundreds of customers and that they were about doubling or tripling every month, which isn't bad because if we can have that same kind of growth for our listener base, yeah. that, I would be, I'd be <laughs> like astounded, and I don't think we're getting any money for this. But, yeah, so that's good for them. That they're, um, at yeah. that time, they're they're doing, you know, I'd be pretty proud of that. Yeah, that, that growth rate for anything, I think, is amazing. So um, so that right there is at September 2012. And then the next month, remember, so at this point, they're actually still called Pathjoy. They weren't called Homejoy yet. But they were charging about $50 for two and a half hours of cleaning at that point. Um, and then the following year, in December 2013, this is where Homejoy raised a $38 million in the Series A and series b yeah so that's that's a uh, pretty phenomenal if we can get 38 million dollars a year from now uh, from podcasting <laughs> that would be phenomenal but yeah they did 38 million for creating an interface and like an efficient way to schedule house cleaners um so they were factoring in like how to get cleaners from uh from one place to another efficiently um, which seems like kind of like a watered down version of Uber, but 
uh, good for them. <laughs> but let, let's talk about how they grew. Like, do you remember what the Groupon deals that they had? Yeah, so they were launching Groupon deals that didn't seem to be netting them a whole lot of cash because um, their their major business was fifty dollars for two and a half hours, which is actually not too bad. Uh, I am not doing math right now, <laughs> but let's see, that would be twenty bucks an hour. That's actually not bad, especially in the Bay Area in twenty thirteen. Um, so their Groupon deals were what was it like? A session for ten bucks, twenty bucks? Yeah, it's like, like twenty bucks for like maybe i think an hour or two but yeah it was like it was uh twenty dollars for two hours but um, i mean it worked and they got a lot they said they got a lot of uh a lot of users and new customers through that way but the problem was but they realized there wasn't a lot of retention i think that's kind of the case with most group ones but um i think the benefit from them using that marketing strategy was that it did get a lot of new users however the people that actually are they're using to help provide the services like the cleaners these are independent contractors right so these are people right. yeah so these are people who have they have found and they sign up as independent contractors and they are paid x amount of dollars to go and clean homes uh at an on-demand schedule so they're getting a flat rate they're not seeing you know the benefits and uh at the time this was still kind of like a, a newish concept uh, the sharing economy with like the rise of, of Uber and Lyft, um, and then you see something like a TaskRabbit or DoorDash. Um, DoorDash yeah. is a big one. DoorDash, um, you know, all these startups found this little loophole that they didn't have to have that kind of overhead. They didn't have to pay for 401k. They didn't have to pay for Social Security. They didn't have to pay um, benefits in general. Yeah, no, yeah. no benefits. Um, which, if you're, you know, trying to make ends meet. If you're already in that, you know, in that field where you just have to do something. If you're a student um, and you just need some quick cash, um, then this worked for you. But for a lot of people, this is their their main sources of income. So that became kind of conflicting, where they're, you know, committing themselves full time, working that schedule, and then uh, I'm not too sure how Homejoy did their scheduling, but um, it sounds like they were asking their cleaners to actually be somewhere. Um, at a certain time so that they can fit this calendar of theirs that they were automating. Um, so that started to kind of blur this line of, you know, are they your employee or are they a contractor? Because if, if I'm an independent contractor right now, if I'm going to do something uh, on, on my own, uh, I'm going to want to do it when I want to do it. And if somebody else is telling me where to go, then that sounds more like I'm an employee. Yeah. And I don't think I'm the only one. <laughs> With that opinion. Yeah, and we'll dive more of that until later when we dissect into their postmortem side of the conversation. But kind of going back to the timeline, um, after they raised their Series A and Series B, they a year after that in May 2014, this kind of goes back into my personal experience with their inter with their um, with their booking on the website. So HomeJoy actually was a booking service and usually i think it worked best if you were booking maybe a week or two in advance so again when one of my customers for magic chimed in and they wanted a home cleaning service for that day or maybe within the next few hours that was almost impossible so they they knew that was a problem and that wasn't something they wanted to be able to continue having as a problem so they wanted to resolve that and that's why where in May 2014, they acquired a company called Get Made. 
So Get Made was a competitor that was in based in New York, and they actually specialized in uh, on more of an on-demand cleaning service. So if you wanted to book within a few hours or book the same day or within a couple days, they helped do that. And I think the acquisition helped them get into that into that little space of the industry. Yeah, because you know the sharing economy economy being what it is. Uh, I want it now. Yep. <laughs> if, if I'm if I'm ordering food, um, I want it now. If yeah. I'm um, requesting an Uber to get me to a dinner meeting, or yeah, I don't know, dinner meetings. I'm not lie. <laughs> uh, if I want them to take me to AT&T Park, uh, I can't wait a week. Um, so that's kind of setting the tone for like what my expectations are out of all startups. Yeah. Right. Uh, if Amazon can get me uh, a sofa in two days, <laughs> um, check them out, they can do that, uh, then I expect uh, to be able to have, you know, a little bit more uh, urgency out of like a cleaning service, especially like um, me not being the super planner that I am, if I need my place cleaned up because I'm going to have a dinner party that I totally don't know who to invite for, uh, <laughs> if I'm going to have that, then I kind of need it a little bit sooner. I, I, I can't really expect to have like this week out two week out i mean this is like that's that's some care.com type of stuff um and people had a little bit more in like out of their expectations yeah so you know around this time of the in in silicon valley this was the time the years where on demand was really taking off you had companies and homejoy noticed that that's why they really got into i think that that was a really smart acquisition for them they want to continue i mean assuming that they you know, didn't die and, and fall off the map. It's just, I think this would have really helped them really expand, you know, globally and continue strongly as a, as a company. But yeah, like this was really the on-demand market, like industry and the, the sharing economy was really, really taking off. So, so after they acquired Get Made, this allowed them to expand into more than 30 markets. They were not only in the U.S., but they were in Canada. They were also the United Kingdom. Um, and... Really, get made really helped them expand their their uh, their market. Um, it looks like after the acquisition, their two two of the co-founders moved over to the home drawer team. I believe their ho- third co-founder, their CTO, uh, did not join. But um, again, that was a really smart acquisition. So let's take this conversation into why they died. So let's go back into our previous mentions about the independent contractors. So if you guys have been following the entire Uber lawsuit system that has been happening a few years ago. There's a lawyer named Shannon Liz Reardon. She is the lawyer that was completely behind the Uber lawsuit. So a little bit of story about her and why she's relevant to the home joy story is that I believe what I read was that she was one day having lunch with a friend and she overheard this company big company called Uber that was blowing up and gaining a lot of traction in the startup industry. And she heard about the drivers being classified as independent contractors and a light bulb went off and she's like, boom, this is going to be my next big lawsuit. So this is where the entire movement started with the misclassification for independent contractors started for the on-demand sharing economy companies. So you have companies like DoorDash who did on-demand food deliveries. You have companies like Instacart, uh, companies like Uber and Lyft who have all these 
um, workers that help their operation side of the business succeed and they were classified as independent contractors so she came in and took on all these big companies and did a class action lawsuits and arguing that these independent contractors were misclassified saying that they had hours that they had to work they had to stick to some sort of schedule and they weren't getting the right benefits and they were just the companies were really skipping out a lot of the perks that that they were pretty much entitled to well not only that so if you just let the contractors go and do the job as a contractor then you wouldn't have any problems but these startups you know they they really focus on quality um, because quality keeps you alive if you can have a consistently good experience you're gonna have great retention and you're just gonna have really good word of mouth <clears throat> so with homejoy they were asking their contractors to wear uniforms and to show up for scheduled training um, just so that they could have a consistent experience and so they needed to learn how to how to actually greet clients and like you know what to look for so these contractors were being told how to conduct their jobs um, and that did didn't really fit the definition of what a contractor was they were getting paid a fixed rate and that was a big thing as well um, the crazy thing about this whole situation was that let's be honest I think if you were a successful big startup, honestly, I think it makes sense to really milk this loophole. I think it makes sense on the bottom line page to be able to really minimize your costs with your workers and really have the bare minimum in terms of compensating them and really just having them run the operation side. But again, to play the other side, is it fair? And I think that's where this lawyer came in and really try to argue that side of the argument where should they be classified as an employee? Um, I'm, you know, to be quite honest, that was the situation where she really exposed for these big startups like Uber, Homejoy, and DoorDash. Like they were abusing and taking advantage of this loophole where they were able to avoid paying these costs for, for benefits and the wage and all these ex extra perks. So, I mean, it's really, we have to take it for what it's worth, but at the end of the day, she won. I mean, there's an example where DoorDash actually had to pay the class action lawsuit $5 million, where the class action, loss, class action lawsuit actually prevailed for the independent contractors. Now, this isn't to, you know, make it sound like all startups, you know, only have, you know, dollar bills in their eyes. They're, they're in survival mode too. And, you know, I can, I can speak from my experience with startups, um, you know, working at one and being involved with a few others and then ha having a lot of friends work at different startups. You know, it's, it's really scary to not know what your runway is. So finding any, anything that might be able to extend that runway, you know, give you a little bit more time to, to figure the next thing out that's going to you know, either give you a lot of growth, <clears throat> great retention, more profit profitability, or even just extend your runway to where you can secure more funding. Um, being frugal and 
you know, trying to save money where you can. Not like I'm excusing anybody that's misclassifying workers, but um, that's what a lot of these startups had in mind because it, it's, it's a cutthroat business. And, you know, ultimately this was, you know, this, this lawsuit and this set of lawsuits, there, there was four of them, four major lawsuits that they were dealing with at a time. But these lawsuits, like, basically were the death blow to Homejoy. But that's not to say that that was the only thing that was, you know, really dragging them down. So let's just pause for a second here and really capture the essence of our title of the podcast. This is product postmortem. So this is going to be the part where we talk about what could have really changed for Homejoy. What could they have done differently to really survive and maybe still be alive today and, and prevailed in the startup industry. So let, let me have, Eddie, let me have you talk about a company that's actually done it right. So again, guys, just to reiterate, independent contractors is a very tricky thing to work around, especially as a startup, because of, because of this lawyer. Uh, Shannon, she really has made it difficult for companies, especially new startups, to really utilize independent contractors. But there's a company that has actually done it right. And I think if Homejoy actually did the same strategy for independent contracts, I think they would still be succeeding today. So that company is actually called Rover. And I'll let Eddie, you can talk about what Rover is. Yeah, so Rover is a company that puts people together, not unlike Airbnb, not unlike Uber, not unlike Homejoy. But what Homejoy, or sorry, what Rover does is their dog sitting company. Um, they put people together that, you know, want a dog sitter. Now they do a contractor model that actually really works. Um, so dog sitters can register on, on Rover and they have a, a review page. They have a profile where they can say, you know, who they are, have pictures of them with their dogs. Now they're able to set their own price they're able to accept and decline which dogs they sit, when they sit them, um, if it's going to be overnight, during the day, uh, at their residence, at the owner's residence. They have a ton of flexibility because they're contractors. They are able to do what they need to. Um, there's no requirement for them to you know, show up anywhere for you know, mandatory training. They don't have to be wearing a Rover t-shirt um, whenever they open the door. Um, and then Rover gives them value by one, giving them exposure, but then two, you know, allowing them to purchase things like flyers or business cards. Um, and yeah, so there's that value proposition that Ro Rover gives to dog sitters and dog sitters, you know, pay a fee of their whatever they're collecting for that stay back to Rover. Um, so that model really works. And Homejoy could have done the exact same thing. Um, they could have just had cleaners meet their clients on their own terms. They could have discussed pricing and the market could have taken care of itself. Um, Homejoy, and we'll dive into this here in a little bit, but they got into a price war that affected their growth um, and their cleaners were making side deals so that they weren't have they, they could collect a little bit more um, from what they were paying back in fees 
um, back to, to Homejoy. So, you know, there's a few things that these cleaners were doing that they weren't super excited about. And had the model been a little bit different, it could have been very, very similar. Um, Homejoy might, might still be around. And um, mind you, there are alternatives to Homejoy still alive right now. Um, Handy being, you know, the, the major oh, yeah. player right now. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think, Eddie, I think you just touched it really well where I think Rover is a company that is actually capturing the true essence of what an independent contractor is. And I think they've done it right. Rover, from what I've seen as well, is that Eddie's touched the main points. You set your own price. Um, you don't have to attend these trainings. And you set your own schedule. You really, really do. I think with Homejoy, they're independent contractors with air quotes. They were really they were paid at a flat rate the same rate um the same thing with doordash and companies like instacart they're paying their employees at, or not their employees their independent contractors a rate and it's not a rate that they get to choose so i think that was a really really key factor that if home actually was able to copy that model i think they would do really really well and that's i think home like home cleaning services is really a great space where cleaners can do that. Why not? A, a cleaner can come in and say, "This is my price. I'm a very good uh, cleaner, and I can." And they can have a rating system just like Robert has. You know, you can you can rate your cleaners, and if you're a really good cleaner, you'll your your name will get around, and you'll be able to raise your price. And I think Eddie, I think you said you are a dog sitter yourself with in using the Rover app. So I mean, you're a, a star, you know, a five star sitter. So we provide great value. <laughs> yeah, if you guys want a dog sitter, Eddie's a great, a great one right here. But I mean, essentially with Homejoy, I mean, like if they're independent contractors, their top performers, they can set a higher rate, and I think that would be a great space to, to test that out. Um, but I think another thing that also caused Homejoy to fail was the same concerns that actually the early some of the investors that might have declined them in the beginning. It was the same concern that they've had back then was that. I don't think Homejoy was actually a big need for users. I don't know what their retention was, but I don't think it was that great. So their retention was around um, 15 to 20% um, from the first time that you use them in the next month, um, which isn't too stellar. No, um, not at all. So the other thing is that they had a high customer acquisition cost. So they were spending a ton of money advertising and they were losing money on their initial bookings because they were famously in this price war with with Handy, and where they were offering these Groupon deals, you know, at rates where they were just, um, you know, be able to, being able to cover their cost by paying for the cleaner. Um, so just by barely making it, you know, just paying for that time. Um, they, I guess they were really expecting them to have, um, start to be able to start making money on the second booking or maybe even the third booking, but because their retention was so low, they, they weren't actually getting where they needed to go. So they, they really focused on this high growth, um, strategy to gain market share over handy. Yeah. And to really kind of wrap things up, I, as funny as this sounds, I think what could have really resurrected this company from the dead 
And really to come back, if they were to redo this whole entire business model, they would really have to capture this independent contractor model differently and really do it justice the way that I think a company like Rover is doing it. Um, yeah, because they would have avoided the whole mess with the lawsuits. I mean, they I imagine with the money that they, they did raise, um, you know, they, they or they could have even, you know, raised more money and said, hey, we're going to create this war chest so we can fight these lawsuits and we're going to restructure so that we can, you know, avoid these headaches in the future. And then they could have just, you know, lived happily ever after. Yeah, it was tough for, for Adora and Homejoy. And, you know, to make that decision, I mean, I think like Uber, companies like Uber and DoorDash, I think they have a little bit more capital to fight the lawsuits. But for some reason at that point when the lawsuit, the class action lawsuit came across, they just realized it was a lot smarter to just close up shop and really um, take the loss rather than fight it. Because I don't think they really think they could have succeeded past that if they were to fight it. So... Unfortunately, they had a closed shop, but honestly, again, just to reiterate, I think if someone was to try this business model again, Eddie, I think they would have to do it the right way. It might work. Well, yeah, and then, you know, people have trust and faith in reviews now. I think that's such a common, common thing. Yep, when you look at Airbnb, um, they knew that they needed to develop this trust system. So giving a face to the name of the person that you're going to be meeting, um, seeing other reviews, um, just having that little bit of like personal connection where you, and then opening up uh, a space where people can have a safe conversation. Um, so for Rover, um, whenever we get a booking, we can get a question like, hey, how do you deal with this kind of dog? Or have you dealt with this dog that has like this disability or that needs to not be left alone or else they'll, they'll like have massive anxiety. You know, when it comes down to cleaning, you might have the same thing. Like, how do you feel about cleaning this space? Or like, I have a really weird, you know, layout, like, um, or whatever, or even asking like, are you comfortable with cameras in my apartment or some, something that might alleviate any kind of concern, just a space where you can have that conversation um, openly and then just, um, for, for the, the cleaners, just having the ability to set their own prices. Um, some cleaners might want to work more infrequently, but they might want more, you know, for their time. Um, so, you know, there's probably a space for that. Like there's probably a client out there that wants somebody that has like those absolute five-star reviews or somebody that's really near to them that is available at that exact time letting the market figure itself out um, and not trying to control it too much, you know, can definitely just, um, you know, you just have to trust your users and trust your, your contractors. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of wrap things up, I really wish, I think we both all wish that Homejoy could, could still be alive today, but um, you never know. Maybe there'll be another company that comes out in the near future that might do it right and do it justice. So, um, but I guess we'll see. And, with that being said, I think that kind of wraps up episode number one with Homejoy. We really hope you guys like it. Um, make sure you guys stay tuned for the next episode. If you've got any feedback for us, uh, you can message us at eddie at productpostmortem.com or you can message Kevin at kevin at productpostmortem.com. Yeah. 
So stay tuned for our next episode, and we hope you guys enjoy this one. See you guys next time.